Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. Pastor Lori is away this weekend. She's with her middle daughter, who is now a doctor, helping her get settled into uh, Charlotte, where she's starting her residency. So I get the pleasure of being here to say good morning and to share with you a few announcements. First, um, beginning next week, we're going to start a new devotional series. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch one, we have been recording devotionals since the very early days of COVID. It was a a real gift from that time. It's been very life-giving for the pastoral staff and the people who participate, uh, as well as, I think, the people who watch. So we're going to continue this week with um, a series on the characters of the Bible. And so those will be released on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we'll study just different characters throughout the Bible. And um, my first character is Leah, so I'm excited about that. I've been reading all about Leah in the book of Genesis. Um, Next Sunday, June the 13th, our middle and high school students are invited to our summer kickoff event. It's happening on our back 40. We're renting all kinds of water slides and water uh, slip and slides, and there'll just be all sorts of water shenanigans and sugar, so it should be really a lot of fun, 5 to 7 p.m. on the 13th. Also coming in June, table tennis is coming to the Palm Center. So if that, woohoo, yes, Susan is very excited, and I'm sure a lot of us are. Um, you'll be able to do that on Tuesday and Thursday throughout the summer. It begins Tuesday, June 15th at 4 p.m. And you can find out more information about that on our website if you can't hold on all to, to all those numbers and dates in your head. Finally, uh, Connor Peters is our new student and family ministry director, and he starts tomorrow. And Connor has been, we hired him in January. He's been working part-time for us since then. Um, But we wanted today, on the eve of his first full-time day, to take a minute to thank our search committee. Because without their dedication and the commitment of their time, um, we just couldn't have made it through the search process, which is quite involved if you've ever been on a search committee. The search committee was Ethan Howell, Bill Mallett, who's in the booth, uh, Olivia Mason, who's here with us this morning, Andrea McHenry, Aaron Mosier, and Blake Quigley. The search began in August of last year. We had hundreds of ac- applications, 26 preliminary conversations, 12 video interviews, three second interviews, two in-person search committee hosted visits, and it all led to Connor joining us. And I'm just ever so grateful for them. So since we have uh, Bill and Olivia here, would you give them a little round of applause? Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So let us worship God. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters and to mercy. Nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, please. 
not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word, heal what's broken inside me. Just one word, you invited the dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see, my heart can help them believe. There's nothing that our God can't do, it's not a mountain that He can't move. Praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's nothing that our God can't do. It's not a prison ball he can't break through. It plays the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. will believe greater things there's no power like the power of Jesus faith right let all agree there's no power like the power of Jesus I will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of Jesus with faith right let all agree there's the power, the power of Jesus. I will believe the things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith rise. Let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that a God can't do. It's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name. Makes a way, there's nothing, there's nothing that Jesus can't do, there's nothing that our God can't do, it's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can't do. the pleasure this week of going with some members of the Global Partners Committee to present a check to one of our new mission partners called Second Heart Homes. And they provide housing and dignity to homeless 
uh, the homeless population, particularly those suffering from schizophrenia. It was a really powerful experience, and it's all made possible, and all we do here together in our shared ministry through your dedicated giving. So there's a number of ways that you can continue to do that which you can see on the screen. Uh, there are baskets as you leave, and we just thank you for partnering with us for this work we get to be a part of together. And now we'll do the prayers of the people. I have a couple of uh, young adults, I have to say now. I feel like I can't keep calling them kids. I have a recent graduate and a not quite so recent old graduate. Guy. An old guy. An old guy here. Will you guys introduce yourselves, please? I'm Olivia, and I just graduated from Venice High School. Um, I'm Jared Roman, and uh, I've been at FSU for one year, so I'm going into my sophomore year. (laughs) And he's back here with us, so thank you. So now, friends, we have an opportunity to um, offer up to God the things that are on our hearts and to, to share in... Um, community and praying for those things. There's also an opportunity to write things down in the back of the room if you um, feel more comfortable doing that uh, privately. So what can we be praying for today? I would say that one of the things I'll pray for us, um, for all the things unspoken and on all our hearts, uh, but before I do, I do want to pray for our graduates, our recent graduates, and our college students, lots of people moving around these couple of days, and our younger students uh, rushing towards summer vacations, so I hope we would all be thinking of our, um, our kids in these days to come. So let us pray. Loving and gracious God, We give you thanks for all the ways that you shower us with your love and care. We give thanks for the ways that you bless us with the gift of children and students and young adults. Be with them in these days as they end their school year. Help them to feel your presence with them, to know that you are always at their side. And we ask, God, that you would be with our teachers and our students and our parents in the final days of this school year, that they may finish strong and feel your peace and calm and restorative power in these summer months. We ask that you bring healing and comfort to the sick and warmth and care to those who are lonely and anxious and afraid. And we ask all of this in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Let us continue to worship. Good morning. My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm Sarah's assistant. And it's good to be back before you again today. And um, just as a reminder, maybe for those of you who are just recently back, in case you didn't pick up a little baggie with the communion elements in it, now would be a good time to go back there and grab it because we'll be receiving communion in a few moments. We uh, have been taking the opportunity during the COVID season to upgrade some of our facilities on campus, including this building here, and also including our chapel, which is right over there. Our chapel is our original church building. It's where Church of the Palms got its start on this site. Actually, we got our real start in a funeral home, but that's a whole other story. 
The chapel over there is where worship and Sunday school and fellowship and meetings all took place back in 1959. It's been 50, 25 years since any renovations have been made to that historic building, and so with the help and vision of the Geyer and Jackson families, we have transformed this important building into the next generation of sacred and beautiful space. So we encourage you to go over and look at it after the worship service and any time this summer. Uh, you'll find there a new meeting room and new restrooms and most of all, a beautiful, beautiful chapel that accentuates the 12 beautiful stained glass windows, actually faceted stained glass windows to be precise, which were installed there 25 years ago. So we thought we would seize the day, or should I say seize the summer, and preach a series, a sermon series, on the, <clears throat> the, west, the 10 west feet, that's easy for you to say, the 10 west-facing windows, each of, which, each of which depict stories in the New Testament. We're calling the series Windows on the Word, and we thought it might be an incentive for you to visit the chapel, take a look at the windows, perhaps pause and meditate for a while to ponder the stories of our congregation and how they chose them to be highlighted 25 years ago. <clears throat> so today we begin with what is called the education window, which is there which you will find on the west-facing wall of the narthex or lobby just outside the chapel. It adjoins the baptism window, which we will be looking at a few weeks down the road. The education window, which you will see up there on the screen, depicts a boy standing before a seated adult who is teaching him from a book, presumably the Hebrew scriptures. Above them is the symbol of an oil lamp, the symbol of divine wisdom. Now, for the longest time, I took this to be the young boy Jesus learning from one of the elders in the temple. But when I found the original description of these windows, it turns out it to be the depiction of the young boy Timothy. Timothy later became the protege to the Apostle Paul. Timothy standing before his mother, Eunice. And when I did a little digging into Timothy's family, what you learn is that Eunice, his mother, was Jewish, as was her mother, Lois. But his father, Timothy's father, whose name we don't know, was Greek. So we have, way back when, sort of this biracial, biethnic, bi-religious, bi-cultural marriage, which would have been fairly scandalous back in the first century. And then to make it a little bit more complicated, you have Eunice, Timothy's mother, Lois, Timothy's grandmother, both converting to this new religion called Christianity. I can only imagine what the conversations were like in that household. But as we listen now for these texts from 2 Timothy, hear what Paul is celebrating about the household of Timothy and Eunice and Lois and the education that took place there. The first lesson comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Paul writes and says, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you, through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And then later in Paul's second letter to Timothy, the third chapter, he writes, 
Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped, for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. By your grace, O God, and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. Lord, we pray this in his name. Amen. There is an old and chilling tale that has been recited throughout Europe since the 13th century about an old merchant who day by day grows more and more infirm. The old man's wife has long since passed and he's by himself and miserably lonely. Fearing that he will soon lose his faculties, the old man decides to ask his middle-aged son and daughter-in-law if he might move in with their family out in the country. At first, the couple is overjoyed, for by way of compensation, the merchant promises to bequeath his small fortune to them before he dies. But as these things go, the old man becomes more and more difficult to care for, and more and more the family complains of all his little demands. Finally, at dinner one night, after another round of whispered complaints, the farmer looks to his son and out of exhaustion and resignation says to the boy, take your grandfather out to the barn to live. Find for him the best horse blanket and wrap him in it to keep him warm. So the son takes his grandfather out to the barn, finds the best horse blanket, and before he wraps it, his grandfather in it, he tears it in two. Sets one half aside and wraps his grandfather with the other half. Later, when his father finds out what the boy did, how he had thought to only spare half the horse blanket for his grandfather, he goes to the boy and scolds him could you do such a thing? What kind of boy would use only half a blanket to warm his grandfather? The father of the boy replies, I'm saving the other half for you. I told you it was a chilling tale and one that raises the gravity of all things that go on inside any home and what gets taught as a result. It's an enormous burden one accepts when one decides to become a parent because Inside the home is where the deeper spiritual, psychological, and emotional lessons are learned, sometimes without our even knowing it. Often when performing baptism counseling, I will discuss with mom and dad that whatever, whether they like it or not, what their children are learning from them is one, how to be a human, and two, how to be a follower of Jesus. As it turns out, our sons and daughters are learning more from what we do and less from what we say. Because one of the things we pick up on pretty quick in life is that what a person ends up doing tells you a lot more about the person than what a person ends up saying. Because, of course, any person can say anything. Just turn on cable news and the Sunday preacher and you'll be convinced of that. Anybody can say anything. Like the old story of the bright young evangelist coming through town and ends up talking to 
an old Amish man, and at one point asks him, Brother, are you saved? The old Amish man pauses for a second and says, That's an interesting question for you to ask there, young man. Truth is, I could tell you what you want to hear, and that wouldn't mean a darn thing. Are you saved, you asked? Well, how about this? Here are the names of my banker, my pastor, and my farmhands. You go ask them whether or not I'm saved. It's an interesting thing that the Apostle Paul brings to light about our friend Timothy, that somewhere along the way, his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, had been captured by the gospel. The Bible doesn't say captured, but I wonder if it isn't the right word, because it would have taken them being captured by the good news for them to boldly pursue this path of making this Jewish, Gentile, Greek, biracial household into a breeding ground for one of the church, church's greatest leaders, the young man Timothy. Their, theirs was not a perfunctory faith. They had become its teacher, and, and Eunice had something, some teaching to do homeschooling, as it were, which meant that in some way the family had found its shape in the gospel. These strong women had a story to tell, and, and that's what most of the early Christian teaching was, storytelling. They didn't have Bibles, per se. They had stories about Jesus. They had stories about the prophets. They had stories about the disciples. And you can only imagine that it was more than just the stories because little Timothy is now looking for the connect between what they say and what they do. It's not that Eunice and Lois were necessarily all that skilled in pedagogy. It's that they likely practiced what they preached. Most of you know that I come from this long line of Presbyterian pastors, great-grandfather, grandfather, father, uncle, two brothers, to which I quickly add, talk about a dysfunctional family. So what's in the sauce, I get asked. You know, how did all that happen? Was it because, you know, they were great preachers, great teachers, great theologians, great church administrators, great pastors? Eh, maybe a little. But when people ask me, how is it that three sons follow their father into the ministry after I tell them that it was the only work we could get, I seriously tell them that it was all about 6 p.m. And 6 p.m. was when we sat down at the dinner table, and at the dinner table... We all got reminded of who was in charge of the McConnell household, and it wasn't the preacher. It was the five-foot-one-inch lady at the other end of the table. It was the one who made sure we did our homework and looked people in the eye, told us how to treat a girl with respect, taught us how to say grace before picking up our fork. It was the one who sat down beside our beds and read us from Hurlbut's story of the Bible was the one who, along with our Father, loved us unconditionally, just like Jesus loved us unconditionally. The dots connected between what these two said and what these two did. Now all those things don't necessarily make kids into preachers, but they have a good chance of making kids into human beings. And with the Spirit's help, followers of Jesus. And why not you? And you say, what do you mean? And I say, why not you? When it comes to finding the way to connect the dots between the stories of the Bible and the story of you. Why not you? Wondering if there still isn't a chance for you to shape the children of your life, the grandchildren of your life, the nieces and nephews of your life. 
why not you telling your own story and writing down your own story about what it means for you to be a child of God, to be loved by Jesus unconditionally, to connect the dots between what you say and what you do. Jimmy Carter said that he never much cared what his children thought of him. When you're a parent, you're often the bad guy. But he went on to say that he as sure as heck cared what his grandchildren thought of him. So when my granddaddy was praying the Christmas prayer one Christmas Eve in church a long, long time ago, I'm not sure what thought he gave to that little 10-year-old boy, that would be me, sitting in the pew that night. The little 10-year-old who by some miracle kept his attention long enough to listen to the old white-haired man praying the Christmas prayer. How the little 10-year-old listened and how it seemed to him that the old white-haired man seemed to be talking to somebody in the room. And not just somebody in the room, but somebody who was his best friend. And the impression never left the young boy this old man talking to God who happened to be his best friend. It was a deep impression because that's what happens with the malleable young. Deep impressions formed by what is said and what is done. He wasn't around, granddaddy, when I was ordained, but I would have liked to have told him that the whole thing got started in part with that prayer. And for you, maybe it's a reminder to your children or your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews, that you're praying for them. Or perhaps a word of grace when they sit down at your table. When Jimmy Stewart signed up for World War II, the already established Hollywood actor had signed up to fight in World War II, to fly, to fly planes. It was his father who pulled him aside in his little home in Indiana, Pennsylvania and slipped into his breast pocket his father's own transcription of the King James 91st Psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with thy feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. It was the best that father could think to give his boy as he sent him off to battle. On my desk there is a government-issued New Testament handed out to all the boys who stormed the Normandy beaches on that day of all days, June 6, 1944, 77 years ago today. And so in their back pockets or breast pockets, they carried the word of God. For some, it may have been just a good luck charm. But for others, like the member of our family that carried it onto the beaches that June 6th, it was the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. So why not you? Why not you? Why leave it the chance that your children and grandchildren will figure it out on their own? How the dots connect between what you say and what you do, between what you believe and how you act, 
many lives remain to be impressed to our children and grandchildren. There are stories still to be told. I suppose, friends, if there's anything to be learned today, it is that we all have been invited to come to this table. Yes, we invite you to take out of your little plastic baggies the communion elements. We beg of you to open, when we get to that point, we beg of you to open the bread first and not the cup. And then following eating the bread, we invite you to take the cup as we sup together. And then following our service, we invite you to put it back in the baggie, seal it, take it with you, throw it out way on the way out or take it home. But friends, we're all invited. We're all invited to this feast. It doesn't matter where we've been or where we're going. We are invited right now to this feast, this great banquet of God's love and grace. God says, come and find here the depths of my love. Find here the lengths of my grace. Find here the unconditional mercy of God. Find here the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we might be filled. That we may be empowered and encouraged to go into the world to tell our own story of what God has done for us. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, that the, where, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what concerns we have, no matter what brokenness we suffer with, we are grateful, O oh Lord, that we can still come to this table and find here your presence, your spirit, your love. So we ask, O oh Lord, that once again we may find here this great feast of the kingdom that we may partake of the banquet, that we may be sustained by these common elements, that they may become for us the spiritual feast, and that we may be empowered to be your people in the world, all for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us partake of the feast of the bread and cup.
So, God, that you love us enough, not just to leave us on our own, but to teach us through all those people in our lives that have shaped us and given us their wisdom and imparted to us the good news of your son, Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that we may not only take those lessons forward, but somehow be ourselves those teachers that you call us to be, that we might be storytellers of how you have been real and how you are real in our lives, that you may become real in others and that others may pass on the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.